Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Very excited about the year ahead. We've, we've, this year we've seen, uh, on average, we see salvations here most weeks. We would uh, see baptisms. Uh, we've seen a lot of baptisms this year. Uh, at, at our volunteer appreciation night, we actually had the largest amount of volunteers we've ever had in the history of our church, which is incredible. We raised this year the most money that we've ever raised as a church by a long, long way. It wasn't a small amount. We, we, we beat it by a long way. And so to me, it just speaks of the unity that I think is, is in this place and the hunger that people have for what God is doing, not only in this year, but in the year to come. And we theme this year, Word and Spirit. We love to theme the year. It kind of gives us a, a direction and a focus. And the reason we themed it, Word and Spirit, is because we really think when we're going after being mature disciples in Jesus, you need both. If you have all Word and no Spirit, you dry up. All Spirit and no Word, you blow up. But if you've got the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. And we want to see people grow in their maturity as Christians. And as we start to look towards next year, I think we're going to have a breakout year. I think it's going to be a, a different year. It's going to be an exciting year. Here's what I'm believing, that by the end of this year, we're going to sign a contract that will position us to buy the Croydon cinemas uh, in, in, the year, uh, in the years to come, in the years that are ahead. And I'm really excited about that. And it could be that this time next year, we could be right in there running services. And I'm not joking about that. It, we could be only 12 months away from doing that. I have faith for it. I'm, I'm hoping for it, believing for it. And uh, it's, if you haven't been to the Croydon cinemas, um, you know, it, it's right across the road from parks and uh, skate parks. And, and there's a swimming pool there. Lots of, it's just an amazing location. And I think God is blessing us as, as we move into that space. And so I'm expecting great things in the season that's ahead. But for this, this year has been an amazing year. Uh, today, I kind of turn my attention to next year. What does the Lord have in store for us as a church? Where is He leading us and guiding us. One of the things that we always want to do is pray about what God has for our future. And I want to speak into that today. So I'm going to begin in Psalm 139 verse 7. The psalmist writes, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Not that you'd want to flee from the presence of the Lord. I'm just saying he's making a very good point, which is that God is everywhere. But even though God is everywhere, you've noticed in church that sometimes we sing songs like, Come Holy Spirit, Fall Afresh on Me. Uh, fill me with your power. You know, have you, have you heard these songs, right? We, we sing those songs and I'll tell you why. Because there is a difference between God's omnipresence and His manifest presence. You know that God is everywhere. If you're new to church, you get a free pass on this. You, you might not know this, right? But, but we, we believe that God is everywhere all of the time. So there's nowhere that you could go. There's no place you could find yourself. Wherever you are, God is there. And we get that. And so sometimes I feel like people say, well, why would we ask the presence of God to come if He's everywhere? Ah, well, that's because... There is a huge difference between His omnipresence and His manifest presence. The word manifest means to make something plain and obvious. In other words, when the presence of God manifests, it's so obvious that we don't need to communicate, hey, that was God. 
It's you sense it, you feel it, you know it, you experience it. And because you, it, you, it's in such a tangible way, it's where His presence has broken through and touched your life in a fresh way. And the word that we would use to label that moment or experience is the word encounter. And we want to be people that go after encounters because encounters are always about the presence of God. Amen? Okay, so here's the thing. You probably already know this, but the presence of God changes everything. The presence of God, it literally changes everything. His manifest presence. I remember having an unexpected encounter with the presence of God one day. I remember standing in church and I didn't expect much from my experience. I just went there because I felt to go there to a church that day. I hadn't been in church for a long time. And as I stood there with tears in my eyes, weeping, so embarrassed by the experience and hadn't cried for a long time. But sometimes when you get into the presence of God, you can't help it. I cried this morning. Jeez, it's just one of those things that happens when you get into His presence. And I was so embarrassed by it. I thought, hey, I, I got to get out of here. And I remember as I went to leave church that day, the presence, the manifest presence of God hit me. It was so thick and heavy that I found the closest seat and had to sit down. I felt like I was in earth's gravity times 10. It was, it was just a, a wild experience. And I sat there just kind of reeling from my experience, trying to make sense of what was going on. Well, I'll tell you what was going on. I had an encounter with God and that encounter ultimately changed the trajectory of my life. And you take anyone, anyone that's done anything significant for God, you ask any preacher, you ask any pastor, you ask anyone that started an, a, a parachurch organization, you ask anyone that's serving as a small group leader, anyone that's serving in, in ministry or, or said yes to God's call in some way, and they will trace it back to what? An encounter with the Lord. What will they say? They'll say, I was standing in church one day and I felt God speak to me or somebody laid hands on me and prayed for me or there was a, 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 I received a prophetic word. And all of those things, they kickstart ministry. They shift things and they change it. So everybody that's ever done something significant, I'm telling you, ask them, they will trace it back to an encounter with the Lord. And the Lord knows we need encounters. If you go all the way, even look back in, in the Old Testament, the encounters that they had, they needed them in order to accomplish the things that God had for them. I mean, you look at the list, it, it, it does start to stack and add up. You've got, you know, Abram, Jacob, Joshua, uh, Gideon, David, Isaiah. Do you know all of those guys, they were facing insurmountable odds, very, very difficult situations, situations that many of us would not have had to face. And while they looked at that situation as difficult as it was, they heard these words from the Lord. They heard, I will be with you. And knowing that God is with you, not just standing in His omnipresence, because we know He's around us all the time. But when He speaks into our lives and says, if you do this, if you say yes to me, I will be with you. Those words, oh man, they change how you feel about the situation. 
They change the odds of the situation. It changes the outcome of the situation because we know as God's people that when God is for us, who could dare be against us? And it's not to ever say that nothing will come against us. It just means that when the presence of God is with you, you will roll right over that thing, whatever it is, because nothing is too hard for the Lord. Can I get an amen for the Lord this morning? When the presence of God is with you, it changes you. It changed these people. It changed their outlook. It changed their lens. Because sometimes we have a lens of fear and we think, but what would happen if I was to do this, go there, say that, step out? But when you are filled with the presence of God, when He says, I'll be with you, what once was fear becomes a lens of faith because you look at the situation and say, hey, God, you're going to have to do something pretty dramatic if I say yes to you. And isn't that a little bit exciting anyway to just have this expectation that God's going to show up and God's going to do something. I don't know about you, but man, that's a life I want to live. I want to live the life where I see, I don't want to just read stories and, and look at what God had did in history. He is a present reality. He's, he's even in this, in this room, in this space right now. And I want to see God move. You know, in the Old Testament, people, the people that were honoured, revered and feared the most were often the prophets. I mean, prophets everywhere, but prophets especially in Israel. And the reason why the prophets were feared and revered was because when prophets would speak, they would speak the words of God. And when a prophet was standing in front of people and they began to declare the words of God, at least to Israel, it was as if the presence of God was directly in front of him. That's how they held those prophets in high regard. It was as if the very presence of God was directly in front of them. And when they began to speak, what happened? They, they changed and altered uh, the, the story of humanity. They, they shifted entire nations. Wars were won because of words the prophets spoke. Everything had shifted and changed because the Lord spoke through a prophet and said, my presence will be with you. And as amazing and as grandiose as it is to hear about the Lord shifting and changing nations, I would tell you the truth right now. The very presence that spoke to them wants to rest on you. It wants to rest on you. And when it happens, it, it changes you. When you experience the manifest presence of God in your life, you might experience it as knowledge. It's like you didn't know something and now you do. Where'd you get that from? It's an encounter with the Lord who spoke a word in season. Maybe it was a word for you. Maybe it's a word for someone else. When the Spirit of God touches you, He can touch you spiritually. He can touch you emotionally. He can touch you physically. But the thing that will mark your life, the thing that is supposed to mark your life is that you are changed by that encounter. You're changed by being touched by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Man, I think about the Holy Spirit and all the stories and everything that we read and we know what He's capable of. And then this is what Luke wrote about Jesus. Luke said in his gospel that Jesus said that He would baptize His people in the Holy Spirit and fire. He would baptize us. In other words, that His people would be fully immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, the word baptize in the original language, the, the Greek language is the word baptizo. It actually means to fully immerse and to plunge under. And so they would use this, this kind of language when they were speaking about, say, dyeing a garment. You had a, you had a jacket and you wanted to change the color of it. You, you get the dye and then you plunge that garment into that, uh, that, that liquid or that dye and you take it out. And what's happened to it? It's different. Why is it different? Because it has absorbed the very thing that it was immersed in. Why do you think they use that very word to describe what the Spirit does to you when you're immersed into the presence of God? When you're immersed in the presence of God, it's meant to be, there is some, some part of that picture and that imagery that we get where we absorb and even take on the characteristics of the presence of God because we are immersed in His presence. It rests on us. Do you know in the Greek language, they didn't have the word sunk. It's a little bit of random, randomness for you. Uh, they didn't have the word sunk. So when a ship would sink, they wouldn't say it was sunk. They would say it was baptized. Why was it baptized? Well, because when the ship was afloat, it was on the water. When it sunk, what was on the outside had now moved to the inside. The ship had been baptized in the water. Why do you think it speaks about God's people being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yeah. What was once on the outside has now moved to the inside. And the reason that God wants to do that is that He wants to change your life. And He can do it many ways. He does on occasion. Do it from the outside in. The Lord is sovereign. But I'll tell you the truth. So often what God really wants to do is to change you from the inside out. And He can do that best when you fully surrender to Him. Our theme this year is presence, if you haven't figured that part out yet. I want to read a story. Glad I got a couple words anyway. <laughs> sure you're all very excited. Uh, I want to read a story to you. Uh, this story is about 10 lepers who get healed. They call out to Jesus and Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. You'll be healed as you go. And they, when they're standing and receive that word, they're not healed. And they say, all right, well, he said, as we go, let's show ourselves to the priests. So uh, I don't know how it works, but as they go, they start to look at their leprous skin and they realize they are being healed. Ten get healed. Isn't that amazing? First, that's a what an encounter that would be. We all want the miracle encounters with God. We hope that it always works this way. But I want to read to you, more importantly, what happened when these people received their miracle. I'm going to read to you out of Luke chapter 17, verse 15. It says, then one of them. Now, how many got healed? Ten. Ten got healed, right? You're more switched on than the nine. Some of them were like, one, right? I'm like, no, that's, that's not what we spoke about. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise 
and go your way. Your faith has made you well. They all had faith because they all went and they all received an encounter because they all went. They all received a healing and a miracle. So that's great, but only one of them came back. Why did only one of them come back? Because only one of them out of the encounter was still hungry enough to seek the presence of God. Now, presence drives encounter. There's no encounter without presence. By its very nature, you need the presence of God. And here's the thing. Encounters aren't for transaction. They're for transformation. Encounters aren't for transaction. They're for transformation. In Jesus' life and ministry, how many people did He touch with a miracle? He healed people. He healed people that were paralyzed in their body. He healed lepers. He fed crowds of 5,000 and 4,000. They were starving and they, they, He fed them loaves and fishes that just continued to multiply in the hands of the disciples. I mean, so many people received a miracle, but when you get to the cross, where were they? How many people have received what they got received something from the Lord and because they got what they really wanted, they just moved on with their life. And we're not supposed to do that because encounters aren't meant to be for a transaction. Encounters are meant to be for transformation. And spiritual maturity is having an encounter with the presence of God and then seeking His presence again and again and again and again and again. Not to be the kind of people that receive a miracle, have an encounter, have a mountaintop experience moment, take what you can get from the Lord and then get on with your everyday life. But what is meant to happen out of encounter is you see the heart of the person who gave it to you in the first place and you say, I want more of you. It's all about wanting more of God. We never want to be people that just treat God as a transaction, even coming to church on Sunday. Imagine if you ate like you worshipped sometimes, you know, and you, you know, you had a meal once a week on a Sunday morning at nine o'clock or 11 o'clock. And then from that moment, you don't eat all week, right? You'd be starving saying, oh, I'm so hungry all week. The Lord doesn't want you to live like that. Can I tell you that what the Lord wants to do is saturate you in His very presence. And it doesn't have to be at church. It doesn't need to be a church. You can have it everywhere all of the time. And here's the thing about getting a, a, a miracle is that looking past the miracle, you look to the gift, that, or past the gift to the giver of the miracle and you say, you're amazing God and I want more of you. And you, when you receive that, what happens? Here's a mature response. You surrender completely to the presence of God. God, thank you for what you've done in my life. But I'm actually after you. Not what I can get from you. I'm after you. I want more of your presence in my life. Maturity responds to encounter by seeking and reseeking his presence. I remember years ago, I went to church. And even though I had my encounter moment, it did shift the trajectory of my life because, well, I was going to church and that was a big change for me. But... I don't mind telling you that my worship was pretty average. I mean, I would stand in church and people would be singing. I'd be distracted, sometimes looking around, 
not really giving God my best worship. And there was this person that we had in our church who stood at the front of the service. And I would see the way that she worshipped. And she was in her own world with Jesus. She was encountering the presence of God. I would see her face and she was smiling. She was excited. She would just occasionally do like a 360, like spin around. Now, I didn't want to start doing that. That's not what I was looking for. But there was a presence that rested on her that didn't rest on me in the same way. And I think that what happens sometimes is we can just get caught up in the routine of maybe church life and like, I'm here, I'm here. But I saw what she had and I got a little bit jealous. It's good to get jealous about things when it comes to the presence of God, I think. I said, I don't know what she's got, but, but I see something on her that she doesn't have. You know what I saw? I saw intimacy. You know what I saw? I saw joy. I saw peace. I saw freedom. And I looked at that and I thought, I know we're both in the same room, but you've got something I don't. And I know it's the presence of God, which tells me there's more than I can have. And that was the very problem for me, because to be honest, in my own mind, what I said, I don't know if I can ever have that. Maybe that's just reserved for some people, but not for people like me, maybe with my background or, or my story. And so I said, oh God, I want to have more of you in my life. And I wanted to take our intimacy to another level. So I remember saying, God, I want to know that you're in the room. Let's, let's really get close together. But just to let me know that you're here, I want you to do something for me. I want you to, I want you to move this pencil so I know you're in the room. I literally did that. I put a pencil on my desk. I, I was in my, uh, in my bedroom at home and I said, Lord, let's go to another level right now. Lord, if you're really here, just roll the pencil just a little bit. It could, even if it does a half turn, I'll know that it's you, right? And after about an hour of staring at a pencil that did not move, I became a little bit disenfranchised with my God. I was looking at him thinking, God, I don't ask you for that much. All I'm saying is just like a little breath, a little wind. Is it too much to ask for? And he didn't do it. And you know, the weirdest thing happened. He didn't do that. And I was like, God, why wouldn't you? And I actually, out of that experience, created a self-imposed boundary and barrier on my relationship with him. And you know why, guys? Because he didn't do what I told him to. Can you imagine that? What a disappointment that was. He didn't do what I told him to. And so I don't know if you've ever done this, where you've perceived your life in such a way that you have placed your own barriers between you and God and then wondered why there's some distance in the relationship. You know, one of my... Barriers was, Lord, I had many barriers. One of my barriers was, God, you're not moving when I tell you to. That was a barrier. I, I did move past that. Another barrier that I had was, Lord, I want to know why you did certain things with Israel and I want you to speak directly to me. Now, if I was smarter, I would have just gone to Bible college and they would have told me straight up. But I, I was stubborn and I, I said, Lord, I want you to speak it directly to me. Why did you do that with Israel? And why didn't you do that with Israel? And I had questions. And, and to be honest, he didn't answer them. And so my response to 
him was not to seek him further. I threw a hissy fit and I said, well, if that's the way you're going to be, guess what? How do you like this? I want nothing to do with you. And that lasted for about three weeks before I came to my senses and realized in my own foolishness, I had placed a boundary in my relationship with God and then wondered why there was no closeness. I don't know if you've ever done that. People can do it all the time. Let me give you a few boundaries that people self-impose on their relationship with God. Sometimes what happens is they went to church when they were a kid and they were taught some things about God that's not true. And even though it's 40, 50, 60 years later, that seed was sown so deep in your childhood that you can't break free from a God that you think is always brooding and angry and frustrated. When you think of God, He frowns all the time. And you, you, know, you always feel like there's a problem. He's always got a problem with you. And because of that, it puts a gap in the relationship, but that's just self-imposed gap. Maybe you just don't see God clearly because of some of the wrong teaching that you received about God. That's, that's not the God that we're taught about. That's not the God that I worship, the God that I serve. Maybe for some of you, it's because you've got an offense with God. Because maybe like me, you asked God to do something and He didn't do it. And you have seen other people walk in the blessing of the very thing that you are praying for and because you didn't get it and they did, it's created an offense. You know what that is? A self-imposed boundary, barrier that you've put in. Here's another one. Maybe the thing that's really driving you from the presence of God is the fact that there is sin in your life. And it's sin that you've asked forgiveness for, but maybe the devil keeps bringing up. Maybe for others of you, there's an addiction in your life right now, a secret addiction, and nobody really knows about it. And when you come to church, you know what you hear? You hear, hey, you're a hypocrite. That's not the words of the Spirit speaking to you, but you still hear them all the same. And for you, just getting into this place is, is kind of like a victory because you constantly feel like a hypocrite when you really want to do things for God, but you struggle to be able to, to stick with the very things that you promise Him you'll, you'll never do again. You'll never say again. You've made promises that you can't keep. And sometimes it's those very things that drive, away, drive us away from the presence of God. There's a story in the Bible about one of Jesus' disciples, Peter. And Peter also made a promise to the Lord that he couldn't keep. He said to the Lord, I just want you to know that I will never betray you. Now the Lord said, Peter, when the rooster crows three times, you're going to betray me. And he said, no, Lord, <laughs> you know you're messing up when you'd say, no, Lord. <laughs> I don't think you've really thought this through, Lord. <laughs> you know, but Peter says, no, Lord. He goes, I will never do that. Have you ever told the Lord, this is the last time I make that mistake? This is the last time I cross that boundary. I promise I'll never say that. I'll never look at that. I'll never do that again. You, you made him a promise. And when you said that, you actually believed that you were never going to do that thing again, only to find yourself 
caught in the loop in the cycle. Here's Peter saying to the Lord, I will never betray you. And then less than 24 hours later, here he is. And a little girl comes up to Peter and says, hey, don't you know that guy over there, Jesus? And he says, nope, nope, nope. And he realizes what he's done. He's denied him three times. The rooster crows, Jesus looks at him. And what does Peter do? He is so convicted and no doubt condemned in that moment that he flees from that place. He can't even be in the same environment as Jesus because he knows that he has just given up his master. He knows that the very thing that he said that he would never do, he has completely betrayed his Savior. He completely betrayed his friend. And I don't know if you ever feel like you've betrayed your Savior, Jesus. He's done so much for you, but you can't even do the things that you promise him you're going to do. And you feel like in some sense that you've betrayed him. Well, what happens after that? If you know the story, Jesus is crucified, buried, resurrected, sends the Holy Spirit who falls on an upper room prayer meeting, fills the disciples with His Spirit. And what I want to show you right now is the difference between the thing that I just said, the story about Peter's betrayal and where he finds himself shortly after that. And I'm going to read to you out of Acts chapter 5, verse 14. It says, And more than ever, Believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Guys, if you're taking notes, if you're journaling, write this down. It's a really good one. Shadows don't heal people. Peter was carrying the presence of the Lord. Peter's carrying the presence of the Lord. It's not the shadow that was healing them. It's that they were in proximity to someone who carried the presence of God. And shouldn't that be our aim? Oh, what it would be to be a people, to be a church, that people speak about where they say, in that place, those people carry the presence of God. You know? Isn't that what we're going for? Should that not be our aim? Rather than to seek Lord for encounters, transactional moments where we receive a miracle and, and move and are unchanged by what we received, shouldn't we be the very people that carry the presence of God? And these people that are being laid down, they're not even Christian people. They're not followers of Jesus. They just knew that they carried the presence of something that drove transformation. And that presence is Him. That's why we go for His presence, not the encounter moment that just is transactional. We go after His presence. How is that Peter, how is it that this guy can move from denying his Savior to being saturated in his presence? Man, that's amazing to me. And I'll tell you something about Peter. He's not unique and neither are you. My whole point is whatever barrier you feel is in place between you and God, whatever could stop you from entering into the presence of God, can I tell you right now, that that is no problem for God. 
For some of you, it could be the bad teaching. For some of you, it could be offense with God. For some of you, it could be maybe even offense with others. Maybe it's a leader. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it could be that you've got issues in your life that have been unexplained. And because of that, it's driven a wedge into your relationship with God. Maybe there is sin, an addiction in your life. You feel like a hypocrite and the devil won't let up. He keeps saying to you, you're a hypocrite for being here. Can I tell you that every single one of those problems can be overcome by God. Could I just tell you this morning that whoever you are, there is, listen, there is not one thing that could be in this room right now that would stop you from entering into the presence of God. And you don't have to have the experience that I did where I looked across the worship room, saw someone in the presence. And when I said to myself, I don't know if I can have that. Let me put that to bed right now. You can have that. There is an open heaven over God's church. When Jesus, was baptized and said that the heavens were opened. It actually means that they were torn and the Spirit of God came down. He has torn open the heavens. There is ample room and space for you to come into the presence of God. So don't ever let anything stop you from coming into His presence. The question is, how do you do it? And I'll tell you how you do it. It's your posture. In other words, it's how you position yourself. People that didn't have the presence of God in their life were smart. They said, Peter always walks this way. So if he is going to walk along this way, let's line up all the people so they can be in proximity to God's presence that rests on Peter. Now they did it physically because it rested on him and not on them. What I'm telling you today is that you can do it spiritually. How do, how do you do it spiritually? Are you ready? I'll show you. That's all it takes. You don't have to find Peter and lie down and hope the anointing and presence that's on him gets on you. You don't have to get, you could just come before God and have a posture. What is this? You know why we raise our hands in worship? It's surrender. God, I totally surrender to you. I'm seeking after you. I want more of your, your presence that's in my life. You know, when you read the, whole Bible, one of the things you understand is how hungry God is for His own people. I love getting into the presence of God. I love standing in worship and, and you know, really having this encounter with, with my church. But to be totally honest, I'm about to get up and say a whole bunch of stuff and sometimes I'm thinking about it. And that's okay because I'm still listening to the Lord and I'm still worshipping, but... For me, some of the best encounter with His presence moments that I've had have been sitting in my beanbag at home with a cup of coffee, my iPad and a Bible because there is nothing else but me and Him and that's it. So I, I'll tell you some of the greatest encounters I've had with God where I have felt His manifest presence in my life is just when I faced my chair at a garden that I was looking at eyes open and just experienced His presence. You don't need to be jealous. You can do this. You can have this. The, the, the greatest encounter moment that I had this year was when I was at my parents' house and I was just walking through the kitchen and I felt His presence. And I've learned that if you don't respond, 
that moment will move on. So what I did is in that moment, I surrendered. I actually dropped to my knees and started worshiping in the kitchen because I wanted the moment to continue. So the best, one of the best moments of worship I've ever had, just no music, no atmosphere, no nothing, just the kitchen, me and God. If you read the Bible from the beginning to the end, you see God is progressively teaching us how hungry He is for our presence. You know, in the beginning, Adam and Eve created a separation between mankind. And have you ever noticed that it's always God that's closing the gap? It's always Him that's making the distance. It's always Him that's moving to us. It's like a rock. Like if you feel yourself further away from Him, it's because you push yourself away. That's a self-imposed barrier. When I read the Bible, I see how God manifested His presence. I mean, He spoke to Abram and He heard Him. He spoke to Moses in a burning bush. He descended on Mount Sinai and there was thunder and lightning and smoke and cloud. He was a pillar of fire. He was a pillar of cloud. Once He even came as a finger and He wrote on the wall, and I'll admit that a lot of that is a little bit abstract, and you're like, God, 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 right? And then He came fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So you want to understand something about God? Look at Jesus. Look at how He loved people. Look at how He made room for people. Look at how He welcomed children. Look at how He treated everyone. That is the God that we serve. And then He died, was buried, resurrected. The Spirit of God came and fell on people. And the Spirit that once descended on a mountain with smoke and fire that was so holy, they would not even dare go near it became a presence that completely moved inside of his people that's big he was once on the outside he's now moving to the inside and why did he do that well because God loves people I'll tell you right now, God loves you. And I don't know how close you feel to Him right now, but I'll promise you this. He wants to be closer than hands and feet. He wants to be so close to you. The whole Bible teaches us that all He's doing is drawing near and closing gaps and then sacrificing His only Son. How? To get close, to get close, to get close. There doesn't need to be any barriers. There's nothing in your life that He couldn't possibly overcome. He loves you. He loves you. And you know what His plan for you is? To completely saturate your life in His presence. Close your eyes for a minute. If you're in this room right now, and you don't have what I'm talking about. You haven't given your life to Jesus. You don't know what it's like to have your life filled with His presence. I'm telling you right now, that's His plan for you, but it's one that you need to say yes to. If you're in this place right now and you've never given your life to Jesus, the thing that you need right now to enter into His presence is to say yes to Him. And the moment that you do, your old life is gone and you you begin fresh. You start a new life with Him. If you're in this room today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, forgive you of your sins and start a new life with Him, you can have that encounter moment right now. And all you need to do is say yes to Him. If you're in this room and you've not given your life to Jesus, but you say, I want His presence, slip up your hand and say, that's me. 
And as, as soon as you do it, you can slip it down. But is there anyone else that wants to say yes to the presence of God? Yes, I want to give my life completely to Him. If you're watching online right now, you can do this very thing. Just say, say I'm saying yes to Jesus. If that's you and you want to say yes one more time, we've got people saying yes, but if there's anyone else that wants to say yes to Jesus, just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. And you watch how His presence changes you. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together so the people making that decision don't have to pray on their own. You ready? Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for my sin. I receive you today as my Lord and Saviour. And I choose to follow you every day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and gave God some praise. Come on, can you stand to your feet? I want to tell you right now that God's presence, His presence isn't for pastors. It's not for worship leaders. It's not reserved for those, pre- for those people. His presence is for absolutely everybody. And maybe today in this very room, you've found yourself in a place where you say, you know what? I don't feel His presence. I stand in worship and everyone's worshiping around me, but I just don't experience that. It's all about positioning your heart. It's about the posture that you carry. You don't have to convince God. He is convinced. He wants to be closer than hands and feet right now. I don't know how you... 2023 has been, maybe you've had experiences that have been unexplained, things that you didn't understand, experiences, things that you wish you never did, never said, never saw, but for whatever reason, they're still there. And I tell you that none of that would separate you from the presence of God right now. If you have a relationship with Jesus, the Word says we can come straight into His presence. For some of you, you've gone through the fire. You know what God said to His people? When you go through the fire, I will be with you. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. I tell you that even though you might not have realized that Jesus never left you, the presence of God has never left you. You know, Jesus made that promise to his disciples. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that's a promise that he keeps. God's always going to be with you. I don't know what your plans are for 2024, but could I encourage you to maybe write this at the top of your list of the most important things that you could do is to be saturated in his presence and then carry it, and then carry it. Be saturated in the presence of God and then carry His presence. That's what we're meant to do. That's who we're supposed to be. And this is meant to be 2024. Presence is an invitation for all of us to seek the very heart of God, to not find ourselves in rhythm or routine, but to go deeper into that relationship than we ever had. Listen, next year is more about saturation than it is about education. And I find it to be true. What could I do better as as pastors, as leaders in this church? You know, what can we do better than anything else? I think the greatest thing that we can do is connect people into the presence of God because He is the one that shifts everything. He is the one that changes everything. He's the one that changes the odds. He's the one that shifts the outcome. And if you get connected to Him, those things can be yours too, but you've got to seek Him for His presence and not just for what you can get out of Him. I don't know if you're here this morning and maybe you even feel like you've been spiritually dry. It just hasn't been uh, the kind of year that you hope for. But I'm telling you, next year, 
I see us as a church moving into the presence of God in a way that we haven't before. That excites me more than any other thing that we could accomplish next year. Because it's all about Him. If you're here this morning and you say in your heart, you know what, God, I, I, I want to seek Your presence. I, I see where I'm at and it's not that there's anything wrong, but in your heart of hearts, you say, God, I want more of your presence in my life than I've ever had. God, I, I don't want a transaction moment with you. I don't want to get something from you in a worship experience and then leave. But God, would you go deeper with me? Well, I want to be a carrier, a bringer of the presence of God into every situation. What if you were Peter for other people where they wanted to get around you? People that didn't even know Jesus got around you because you carry something that's not even of this world. You carry the presence and the Spirit of God. And if you say, God, we want to be a people that carry your presence wherever we go. If you want to be saturated and, and filled afresh again and again and again, and not seek Him for what you can get, but seek Him because He is the greatest gift He can give, then raise your hands right now. I'm going to pray that God fills us afresh this morning. Lord, for everybody with a hand raised that says, God, I want more than I've ever seen. Lord, would you come right now and fill your people fresh? We want to be carriers of your presence. We want to be carriers of you. Lord, Lord, saturate us, baptize us, shift us, change us, God. I pray that we would be soaked, fully immersed, plunged under forever, changed in the presence of Your Spirit. And Lord, help us to now look upon our situation with a lens of faith, never with a lens of fear, because God, You're for us. And if You're for us, who could dare be against us? I pray, God, would You move fresh on hearts today. Move fresh on hearts today. I just pray for anyone that's here that's maybe had one of those moments where they feel like there's been some barrier in Jesus' name, we break down every wall right now in His name because of what He's done. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray every barrier that brings separation be removed right now in Jesus' name. And I pray, God, that we enter into Your presence. Lord, let next year be a year that's full of Your joy. Lord, Your Word says, in Your presence there's fullness of joy. I pray, God, that as we walk through challenges and circumstances that are not exactly what we would desire, Lord, let there be a spirit of peace that rests upon Your people, a spirit of joy. I pray, God, that we would walk through it through the fire unscathed, that we would pass through the waters and not be harmed. Why? Because, God, You're with us. Lord, we seek Your presence. We seek You. We seek Your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.